Um, it's good to see you. It's really good to see you. Again, my name is Drew. If, uh, if we haven't met, hopefully someday in person, we can meet. I'm glad you're here with us. Um, and uh, we are in a series in uh, the book of Psalms. We have just a few weeks uh, left of it. We've been doing it for uh, a month, couple months, month and a half. Don't remember how long, a little ways now in the summer. It's been uh, refreshing and encouraging. I've uh, It's really been a joy to just stop and look at the Psalms and um, and uh, learn a lot and a lot of, and point us to Jesus. Um, the song, the Psalms sometimes are called the songs of Jesus. He quotes the Psalms so often, um, and they're quoted so often in um, the New Testament, and uh, and they really are a book of Psalms, uh, Psalms, songs, uh, and poems that were used uh, like we just did to remind us and to celebrate. Uh, to praise God, to lament, to cry out to God. And um, I'm praying, I've been praying that all summer we've all been able to use them um, for that too. And we end those, we have just a few weeks left of the Psalms. Uh, and then we have another series we're going to start. And so in the month of August, we get a drum roll. We will be doing Second Peter, Growing in Grace. And so um, just for the month of August, we're going to go through Second Peter I'm excited. So if you're someone who enjoys like reading ahead or uh, or having read it and processed some of it before we even go through it, um, maybe even writing some of your own questions to what it, to to what's happening in Second Peter, uh, go ahead and read that. It's not a very long book, which is why we can just do it in about a month. Um, but we're excited to to hop into Second Peter. And lastly, I have something. Um, I forgot I made a cool picture for this. Don't know where it is though. Um, we have a project we're going to do. So we have two more weeks after this of Psalms. And our last week of Psalms, um, I've been, I'm excited to, uh, to do something to kind of bring it all together, to summarize maybe a little bit of what we've been learning and also for all of us to celebrate it. So we're doing something that I'm calling the Psalm 136 Project, which is really just a reading of Psalm 136, uh, which is one of those Psalms that has that celebrates a lot of what God has done. So it'll say, you rescued us from Egypt. His love endures forever. And so he did something, his love endures forever. He did this, his love endures forever. He's so good to us, his love endures forever. It's one of those Psalms that has this chorus that you continue saying, his love endures forever. And so what I'm asking, um, we're going to be able to send out um, a link to this. We're going to have everyone sign up for one verse of that, one quick verse to Take a video of yourself or draw a picture or write it out, do something creative or really just say the verse. And then we're going to put those all together and have a psalm. We're going to read a psalm together um, at the end of our time. I also would love for those willing to be able to share, to write our own uh, Hope Community Church, Columbia Heights version of Psalm 136, where we could say, you have done this in my life. Your love endures forever. You've done this in my life, and your love endures forever. So there'll be more, a little more information about this coming out, um, but we'd love for you to hop on there. In fact, right now I'm going to share a link um, to this little project we have that we're going to do in the next couple weeks. Um, let me see if I can find it here. Here we go. Here's our, uh, here's the link coming to you. Boom. Um, if you'd like to go on there, you can sign up for one of them, and you can email me that video. I love to see families do it, kids do it. We love to hear uh, kids read um, 
psalms or if you can think of creative ways if you want to write a five second song about from from your verse uh go ahead we we're just looking for an opportunity to to collect our community's creativity um or just even love for the word and hear what god's doing so we're gonna set up more this week um through my hopes you see uh on what we're doing with that wonderful today though we're still in the Psalms, and I'm excited about this. We have been going through a few Psalms in a row, uh, Psalm 126, 127, and today, 128. Um, and these are Psalms that are Psalms of Ascension, songs that were sung traditionally as people walked to Jerusalem up the hill to celebrate. They would gather um, annually or whenever this festival was supposed to happen, these different festivals, which all of them were to celebrate God and what he had done, how he delivered his people, been faithful to his people, to celebrate these huge moments in God's people's lives. And so they would, if you can imagine these crowds walking and singing and chanting together, um, and this is a, another one that was often sung. These songs were often sung together. And so I, I thought we'd just continue to go through these together. They flow well. We've, we've learned about uh, the idea of planting our sorrow and harvesting that, the gospel gardening, um, and what it would look like then to harvest joy, that our suffering can actually be planted and harvested. We we looked uh, last week at 127, and this week we're now going to move into 120. We're going to get right to it because I'm excited this week uh, for this. So we're, we're in Psalm 128. If you want to read along, I'll have the words right here on the screen. Otherwise, uh, feel free to uh, open your Bible and take notes or read along. I think we're using the NIV uh, version of the Bible today here. I'm just going to read all of 128. It's also not very long, so it's nice you can read the whole thing. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You'll eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. Do you feel, do you feel the, I, I love this, this just feels like a, almost a prayer over a family at a dinner. It feels like the family's together and you ask grandpa to pray for the family. Our grandma stands up and she says, blessed are all those who fear the Lord who walk in obedience to him. And then explains when we walk in obedience to him, because we fear him, we will eat the fruit of our labor that's blessings and prosperity. It's sharing that like your family and your life, things will be good because of our fear for the Lord or our respect for God or love, our desire, our affections that go towards God. And so that's what I want to look at today. We're actually going to not just stay in this psalm. This psalm uh, pushes us forward and reminds me of a story that I, I really has really been helpful to me. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite quick stories of a character in Scripture. It's one of my favorites as a kid um, because of the song that came with it. And so we're going to look first at how this passage, just the verse 1, pushes us to the story of Zacchaeus. And as soon as I say the name Zacchaeus, someone out there is singing the song, Zacchaeus was a wheel, right? Wheel. Oh man, love that song. Um, I don't think I understood it totally as a kid, but it was a fun one. Um, 
And I'm at first I want us to stop and think why would this push us towards a song about a, a wee little man in scripture? Well, it's because this verse is one I think that sometimes we can this idea we can move past or not move to if we just continue to sit in what we actually heard last week, I mean, in Psalm 127, and that we can rest in the Lord. The, uh, the work isn't just ours. It is, it's actually in vain if it's not the Lord's. And if we just stop and think, God has done the work of saving us, of rescuing us, of bringing us into his family, of making us princes and princesses in his household, then we can say, good, now I can just hang out until he comes someday and I'm in heaven. And scripture says that that's not what happens. And so I love that the next psalm actually says, blessed are those who fear the Lord for those things that he is and he does, and that walk in obedience to him. Our walking in obedience or walking in his ways is what some versions say, uh, is is what's connected to bringing this. And so actually this reminds me um, of this connection between the fear and desire and and faithfulness we want to put towards God and our obedience, this connection between Jesus being our Savior who has saved us in our response and that changing us to him also being our Lord. It's actually a question we ask um, at baptism. I'm going to do a quick plug since I just said the word baptism. We're doing some baptism classes coming up. And why are we doing baptism classes? Because baptism is a way for us to express outwardly what's happening inwardly and a change in us. And what's that change? The change is that we understand who God is. And what he's done in that Jesus has saved us and we fear him, we respect him, we love him, we desire him. And that changes us to then also want desire to obey him, to actually follow him and do what he's called us to do, what scripture tells us to do. That's the questions we ask people. If you're going to get baptized, we have a baptism class, which is coming up just this week. You can uh, get those um, links also online on on uh, our website or on my hope CC. You can email me. Um, if you're interested, there's a one in the back of Pastor Steve's yard, and I'm doing one on Zoom next Sunday night. And what those classes are is we just talk about what baptism is, and ultimately we ask you this question. Do you want, do you believe Jesus is your Savior, that he saved you and rescued you? And then do you want him to be your Lord, your Savior and your Lord? So the idea is that he saved us. The reality is that he saved us but also that he's the Lord of your life. He's the one that you follow. He's the one that you go to and say, what do I do? How do I live my life? And I don't maybe desire this thing, but Jesus says, I still want you to do it. Or I do desire this thing. And he says, stay away from that. Um, and so we're going to ask people, when you get baptized, this is a proclamation of you saying, I believe Jesus saved me and I also want to follow him. And I think that's what this verse in Psalm 128 is calling us to. Um, it's, it's reminding us that there is obedience and there are ways to follow Jesus and a way of life uh, with him. And we see that change in a moment in Zacchaeus's life. So let's, let's read this story. Actually, I, I was encouraged by Noah's passage too. It just is a similar, uh, another place where we see this in Psalm 56 that we you know we saw in Noah's arm, for you have delivered me from death my feet from stumbling, right? This recognition of what God has done, that I may walk before God in the light of life. I can walk in his ways. He saved me and I can walk in his ways. And so let's look at Zacchaeus. This is a moment where this all changes for him. His fear changes 
his desire, his motivation and hope changes. And all of a sudden, his obedience changes and his motivation and his actions change very quickly. I, I love this. I think it's a sweet moment in history that we can look at. So let's look at um, the story of Zacchaeus. This is in Luke 19. Um, Jesus entered Jericho and was just passing through. There's a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So we're going to stop there for a minute. There's a man named Zacchaeus. Now he's a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. What we can know about him is that he was hired by the government there to collect taxes from the people. He was the guy which probably didn't make him popular, but he also was known for being wealthy. Zacchaeus was known that he, he would take extra money from the people. He would take as much as he kind of wanted, and it made him wealthy and unpopular. This just indicates to us that Zacchaeus was a man who maybe money, power, was something that he put his hope in. Maybe that's what he feared and desired, and that's what led to his, that's what motivated and controlled his actions. So we can see, just setting up real quickly, ooh, tax collector, ugh, this guy, and he was wealthy. Who is this guy? He was taking a lot from people. And then just mentions that he's short, so he couldn't see over the crowd. Jesus is coming in, and a crowd is gathering, and Zacchaeus wants to see what's going on. So in verse 4, so he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, to see Jesus. He climbs a tree so he can see Jesus, since Jesus was coming that way. Imagine the scene. The crowd is coming. Jesus is coming from the distance, and Zacchaeus climbs up a tree, and he's hanging on the tree, looking out to see Jesus. You have to imagine there's people who see him because now he's elevated himself. Almost, I mean, this symbol of this man who's like looking down on the people around him who has, has uh, and they're looking up at him and saying, oh, there's Zacchaeus. You have to imagine people whispering, oh, there's Zacchaeus, this guy. Has he come to take more of our money? And so then this is what's amazing. When Jesus reached that spot where Zacchaeus was in the tree, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, right now. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and gladly <laughs> and welcomed him gladly. Not in that moment if you were there, not where you think the story's going. You, you might think that's where the story's going if you were a kid who grew up in church and you had to make little, you know, drawings of Zacchaeus in a tree of course, Jesus, you know, this title of it in my Bible is Zacchaeus and Jesus. Of course, you do this. But in the moment, that's crazy of all the people. You'd think Jesus would go, hey, hey, Zacchaeus, get out of the tree. You're going to hurt yourself. You know, stop being mean to people. He just says, come down. And then Jesus invites himself to his house, which is a big deal. Jesus is entering into the home, into the life of Zacchaeus, who is not the good guy who is the sinner and everyone notices. All the people saw this and began to mutter. You hear the crowd rumbling. Did, he, did Jesus just talk to Zacchaeus? Why would he talk to him? And they say he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus comes to town and gathers a crowd. And in that, he asks the big sinner in town, 
that he can come over to his house and be with him and move into his life. And what the people do, they say, what is he doing? He's gone to sit with this sinner. Does he know who Zacchaeus is? Does he have the wrong Zacchaeus? Did you check last names? Maybe he's the maybe the other Zacchaeus is the one you meant to go to his house. Isn't it interesting? There's just this, he's flipping it on its head. Why would you come into our town as you're passing through and you would go to Zacchaeus' house? He's a bad dude. Let's see what happens. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. Now, we don't get more context to like Jesus sits with him and prays and says, Zacchaeus, you're doing bad stuff. You must fear me and obey me. Uh, Zacchaeus enters into the presence of Jesus. He's called down from his position up high in this tree, says, and Jesus enters into his home, into his life, not planned. I don't think Zacchaeus cleaned up his house quick so that in case Jesus came, he just, Jesus moves into his life and look at how it changes Zacchaeus. He moves, Jesus moves towards him. It changes this man. And he says this, right? He stands up and he says, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. Don't miss how insane this is. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, probably have. If someone ever says, hey, if I ever maybe cheated someone out of something, I'll pay them back four times the amount. They probably cheated people out of something, right? I will, if I cheated anyone on anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. And Jesus says to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Was Jesus saying here? Jesus says right now, right here in this house, Zacchaeus has shown that he has a change of heart, that he is a different person. His stony heart has changed to flesh in, in, this, mo- in this moment And he's gone from a man who seems to have been selfish, stealing, cheating in order to get his things to becoming a man who's become generous and giving. He now suddenly cares for the poor in his community, cares for those who don't have. In fact, probably people that he helped get in that position people that he took money from more than he needed even, that maybe put them in that position. And he now says, I want to give my things to them. The stuff that I wanted, that my hope was in, is no longer, and now my obedience is to to Jesus. And so he gives his stuff. And in fact, he wants to not just pay back those he has taken or cheated, but he wants to pay four times. I want to be generous in what I have taken. So this flip happens, and then Jesus reminds us, this man, I'm in his house, and his family is now part of, that's what this phrase, because this man too is a son of Abraham. It's saying son of Abraham is a way, if you remember all the way back, God came to Abraham and said, like all the stars in the sky, this will be like your family. My family will be numbered. We can't even count all the people. And he's saying, you're part of God's family, Zacchaeus. You're, you're a big sinner, and I've come and moved into your life, and I 
I'm here to save you. And, and your obedience and faithfulness to me shows that that's changed. Zacchaeus didn't like, he didn't say, okay, as soon as you do the plan, right? As soon as you actually give your money to the poor and you actually pay for those who've cheated you, then I'll come back and we'll assess and we can make a plan. And then maybe like in a year, we can offer you a position as an intern in the family. And then maybe someday you'll be a full-fledged part of the family. This is wild. Jesus walks into a town and within minutes, Zacchaeus goes from the big tax collector sinner to Jesus proclaiming he's part of the family. And Zacchaeus, and that seeing that as Zacchaeus shows obedience and his following of Jesus. And then Jesus reminds us, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is one more story in a series of all the stories in the gospel where Jesus says, I didn't come to save those who are following all the rules correctly. I came to save all the sinners and to change their hearts and their motivations. I, I'm so encouraged by this, this, um, this story because I'm a huge sinner. And no matter what I do, I continue to turn my desires and my hopes to things other than God and become selfish and, and really cheat people out of things, right? So I can have my things, whether that's just my time or my comfort Right, just in my own house, how this happens. I, I, I give my family less of something so I can have more of something. And Jesus says, I'm walking into your home, Drew, because I'm coming for the lost who are seeking me. And we get the opportunity to fear the Lord and be obedient to him, to see that life change. We see this play out in the book of Galatians. It explains kind of how this happens. And this is where I want us to start thinking how do I assess this uh, kind of in my own life? Assess my obedience because we got to be careful we don't flip the order, right? The order could be follow the rules, don't do the, the, the bad things and do the good things, and then God will come into your life. But look at the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus walks up to him, says, let's go to your house. He enters into the life of Zacchaeus. They ha I can't imagine what they talked about on the walk to his house or sitting in his home, but it changed him because he entered into Jesus. Jesus entered into his life. And then out of that came this obedience. And so this is the great news of the gospel. We don't clean ourselves up and follow the rules so Jesus will love us. He loves us. Even when we're in a tree, sinner not expecting him to, to bring us into his family. And so when that happens, that change happens, all of a sudden, our desires for just what we want change and our obedience moves to Jesus. Our obedience goes from our flesh to Jesus. So this is what we see in, in Galatians 5. I'm getting excited. This is this change has changed everything for me. So here's Galatians 5:16. So I walk, so I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires was contrary to the spirit. Talk about the Holy Spirit, God, what God has for us. And the spirit, and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. It's saying the flesh and the spirit have very different desires. Things are calling us to in our life. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, this is the part I think is helpful in my life for assessing, saying, where am I obedient? And if I'm not obedient, 
if I'm not showing obedience to to Christ, what is it? What, what am I looking for? And I, I want us to consider that. What is what is my obedience, even my actions, my life? How is that going to help signal to me that uh, there's an issue with my obedience and where I'm, who I'm fearing? So first it says, here's acts of the flesh. The acts of the flesh are obvious. These are often outward things, right? Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. Okay, it starts out big. And, and be careful here. These You could go, oh, okay, this list isn't for me. Debauchery? That sounds wild. That's not me. I'm nice. I'm cool. I'm friendly. Idolatry, witchcraft. No witchcraft here, right? No, it's clear. I'm not that. Now let's, I love the list continues on. Hopefully, quickly we'll all be convicted here. Hatred. Ooh. Discord. Ooh, that's a tough one. Takes about three seconds on Facebook to find Discord. Jealousy. Fits of rage. Fits of rage is a tough one as a parent, right? Okay, maybe you're talking about me. Selfish ambition. Doing things just for me. Dissensions, factions, this word factions actually could even also say parties or allegiance to parties. It's a tough season to be, got to be careful. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, I, lo- I love this last one, and the like. There's like a, f- you know what, and anything kind of like that stuff. So you're like, you know what, I don't think any of those, and the like. Okay, and I'll take that one, I think, and something like that. Right, these, do you see what's here? I warn you, as we continue here, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those things come out of our desire, our fear, our, our hope being put in our flesh. Um, and our hope being put in our flesh means we are obedient to our flesh. And so then we do things that we think our flesh or our flesh does desire, whether that's in our sexuality, in our purity, our hatred, which is often of, I hate you, I push you away because you're not like me or this is uncomfortable. Jealousy, I want that thing that you have. I'm angry. Why am I angry? Often because I'm not getting what I want or you're not doing what I want you to do. Dissension, this disunity, how quickly I can divide and name enemies. And gather people to name enemies, and we can all say, oh, they're so bad, those Zacchaeus people. Envy? Oh, envy. Envy is like the, how how often, remember when we used to have commercials on TV? (laughs) Remember when there was sports on TV, and then that you'd see commercials in between? You know, like at halftime of of sports? Um, That's like the basis for... Uh, an ad, right? You watch an ad and they're like, how can we convince you that you need and want this thing? Drunkenness, orgies. I mean, drunkenness, maybe with alcohol or just what is that thing that you just consume so much of, so much of, and it controls you and changes how you think and feel? All this flesh, right? All these things that we want. We, we fear our our flesh, we respect it, not respect it as much as put hope in it, right? But then this is what's great. But we live by the Spirit when we're changed and God gives our hearts. I love this. In the Old Testament, we hear this often that our hearts were like stone and then it turned to flesh. 
And so when we have these hearts that are filled with the Spirit, this is what we see. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. While those sound very different, those are also very outward. They're all things I'm bringing to those around me, things that are changing me and bringing often things I get to carry in my arms. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about carrying like bushels of joy. We could, this is incredible. It's this like new thing that's not about me. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with passions and desires. He's killed our desires of the flesh. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Just another reminder, if if you're not sure at the end there, they get the bonus verse 26 in. Hey, let us not just think about ourselves trying to provoke each other and envy each other. What if it was about all of our desires were satisfied in Christ, and now we became people who give half of our possessions to the poor and are so generous in our giving and making things right that we give four times what we need to make things right. So we read Psalm 128. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. This isn't a a, a new idea that Jesus is bringing about. This story of Zacchaeus isn't a new story. It's a story of, of hundreds and thousands of people who have come to know Christ and put their hope in him and that the Lord has and decide to turn their obedience to him. So what I want to encourage you with is is that today your obedience, um, your actions do matter. We got to be careful. We don't say, I don't want to build a home because it's built in vain if it's without the Lord. So I'll just sit back and enjoy being saved and forgiven. Yes, rest in being saved and forgiven, but then think about all that you are doing. And is that out of an obedience to God? And what does God tell you to do? And I think this is helpful for me as we wrap up here. How do I know? Other than just those through the Spirit, you could just you could just every day look at those. How are these going? Am I patient? Am I kind? Am I self-controlled? And if not, where am I putting my obedience towards that's not Jesus? But even just Kind of, what does life look like to follow Jesus and what God has for me? Because I have only been taught by my flesh and a world around me that isn't God. And so I would say the same thing that we talked about. um, We talked about cultivating the gospel. It's the same things. And so I want to encourage you in the same way. When we think about what does it look like to be obedient to God, to be in his word, he, he tells us in his word what it looks like to be a follower of his, to not just know him as a savior, which his word will tell us, but also what it looks like to see him as Lord. What does it look like to be Lord? And we just heard in Galatians 5, the spirit of God will change us and will lead us. In in a moment in your life where you say, I don't know which way to go. Is Is this my flesh or is it the spirit? You can stop and ask. The spirit is with you, in you, always. So we could say, God, I don't, I don't know. We can learn to discern that and, and understand that and, and actually 
um, know what the Spirit wants in our life. And lastly, we cannot forget, friends, that, that we have people around us, that the people of God can ask us hard questions, can say, how is that going each week in my small group? I can say, hey, I'm really struggling to be obedient in this area. And people can say, look, can we help you? Can we remind you? When I say, hey, I, 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 think, I, I think I'm going to do this. And they say, oh, well, wh- why is that? I'm not sure if that's what God has for us. And you go, oh, well, I'm thankful I have the people of God to do that. I encourage you the same way to lean into the word of God and the spirit of God and the people of God to ask those questions. I'm going to leave you just with um, something that happened to me this week. I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this week. And I drove just yesterday, two days ago, drove through my neighborhood and election signs are popping up all over the place. Right. I'm sure you've seen this. And uh, I, uh, and driving through a neighborhood, and I actually see a guy out in his yard pushing his, um, or putting his, maybe moved it, I don't know, to mow or whatever, but he's pushing his election sign in his yard. And my flesh, right, like ignites. And I say, oh, I see who he's going to vote for. And I think, oh, I think that person uh, is this political party. Oh, and I bet this guy thinks this, and he thinks this, and he believes this. I think, oh, man, I almost feel sorry for this guy. I can see a man. He's 20 feet from me, you know, from my car on the road. All in this one moment, two seconds, I quickly assess. My flesh decides this guy is this, and I think, oh, man, he's a neighbor. I was kind of hoping to connect to him. Almost in a moment feeling like, oh, now I can't because I can assume all these things about him. And what he thinks, and I don't know if I can. And, and thank God in that same moment, as that's happening, I can. the Spirit of God is saying, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? You're creating factions. You're causing division, Drew. When I see that man, he's an image bearer of me. Invite him over. And you know what? Maybe you have very different views on things. It has nothing to do with the fact you don't get to love him and care for him. It has nothing to do with the fact you don't get to help welcome him into the family of God and treat him like family. Like, oh, I I remember feeling that way all at once, a battle almost in just seconds in the car because I had just been reading the word of God. I thought, thank God how quickly I can believe that lie that I have to find enemies and push them away and gather others to name them enemies and how quickly I can not have to live in that, but I get to live in obedience to a God who, who isn't a Democrat or a Republican, who, who I don't have to put my hope in politics or in anything other than a God who in the end brings life and justice and love. I'm thankful for that. That is good news and brings great joy um, to my heart. A couple of things to think about here as we, uh, move towards communion. Grab your communion bread and your uh, juice here or wine. We're gonna. I'm gonna scoot over so Kelly can hop in here with us uh, and take some communion. Also, start. You can start sharing prayers um, on here. Uh, in a minute, we're gonna be praying right after communion. We're gonna be praying um, uh, for one another. But just a couple of things to reflect. These are questions I wrote down this week as I was reflecting on this. Did you know Jesus came to save? Sinners, it, it seems 
could seem obvious, but I need over and over reminded, it doesn't matter how terrible I think I am or things I've done. God has no limit to how far he's going to reach for sinners. Thank God for that. And I ask the question, where is your obedience easy and where is it difficult? What things do you find easy to follow in God's plan and what things are hard and maybe why? Why are those things difficult? Uh, I encourage you to, to think about who reminds you to follow Jesus, who is are the people in your life who are, are helping you do that. And if you don't have those people, we want to help you find those people. We want to be that family that helps you follow Jesus and brings that joy in your life. And lastly, as always, I want you to consider who needs to know this truth. Who needs to know that there's no sin too big for Jesus' forgiveness? Um, uh, that's I mean, that's great news for someone today who feels that weight. 